Welcome to the Podcast of Podcasts, a podcast that takes a moment to talk to podcasters about podcasting. The music for the intro is Funkers by Crowander, and it's provided under the Creative Commons content license. Our guest for this episode is Dr. Charles Woods, the host of the podcast, The Big Rhetorical Podcast. Dr. Woods is a teaching assistant professor at East Carolina University, where he teaches classes in rhetoric and writing. So, hi there, Dr. Woods. Uh, how are you doing today? Doing pretty well. Uh, doing pretty well. Excited to get busy working uh, on some stuff for the beginning of the semester and finish up my summer in the next couple of days. Uh, yeah, how are you? I am doing well, okay. although I uh, obviously I didn't have, as I discussed before, <laughs> I didn't have that break. Um, I taught over the summer, but also getting ready to roll into the, the fall semester. Yeah, I'm excited. Yeah. So all of the guests on this show are podcasters. Mm -hmm. And so that's kind of the, the basis of the show and the, what we talk about. So um, what is the name of your podcast and what is the format and aim of your show? The name of my podcast is The Big Rhetorical Podcast. It's a long-form interview podcast, so we're thinking 45 minutes to an hour. And the aim of the show is to highlight the, the work of, of people who are uh, working in and around uh, rhetoric, composition, and technical communication. So that might be graduate students, uh, pre-tenure professors, career academics, activists, authors, um, things of that nature. And I would say that as my podcast has kind of evolved a bit, um, I've really come to highlight the work of graduate students through our emerging scholar series. And that's become the thing I think I do best and the thing that I enjoy doing the most. It's with such a popular show, I imagine it's available everywhere. Uh, where can we find your show? Everywhere. <laughs> Easy answer. Everywhere you get podcasts, Apple, Stitcher, you name it, we're there. Um, Who do you use for a host? Anchor FM. Anchor FM. Okay. Yep. So we're there. And then um, just everywhere, you know, I, and that's super important too, I would say. Like get, find, get everywhere that you can. So, okay. <laughs> that is important. So then um, thinking back to... Uh, starting the podcast. Uh, what was your motivation to start uh, podcasting? Why did you choose podcasting? For me, it was really looking around at the technology that was available to me as a graduate student, the ideas that were available to me as a student that I was learning when I first started out as a PhD student. And it was one of those things where it was like, well, no one's doing this. And no one's doing this in rhetoric. You know, I think Shane Wood at Pedagog had just started out and, and a couple other folks like Rhetoricity were out there doing their thing, but nobody was doing like long form interviews. And so I thought, well, this is a way that I can fit in. And this is a way that I can meet people uh, in the field. And then also when we, when I started, we started with talking about pedagogy more and then more folks started doing that and talking about pedagogy. And so, you know, our earliest episodes were all focused on that. And then we kind of evolved into this interview podcast, 
you know, I hate to say that it's like, I listen to a lot of interview podcasts. So I pick up things from everyone. Like you can, my earliest episodes are more of, of, you know, uh, Mark Marin style podcast and, uh, interview questions. And then, you know, some of our later, as we evolved, we kind of became, you know, some, some of these interviews sounding more like, um, the daily from the New York times. And we were looking at different issues like the NARA thing where the national archives and records administration, like changed some photos from the women's March and taking on an, a, a special, uh, episode that focused specifically on COVID where we talked to different people in higher education. So it became a thing where I wanted to, no one was doing it in this way. I wanted to kind of keep it going, becoming an interview podcast. And I thought it would, it would be a good way to meet people and raise my profile. And I, I feel like that sounds horrible. I don't know. You'll have to tell me, but that is the truth. No, I don't think it's horrible at all. Um, for for one, I really also have learned that I enjoy talking to people yeah. that I didn't think I did. And then COVID came and I realized, hey, you know, I like talking to people and I should probably find a way to do that. Well, as I've, re- yes, Joseph, and as I've reflected on, on this journey the last five years, I have thought, you know, I, I'm not the only nine-year-old that stayed up to watch you know david letterman and and conan o'brien in the 90s and early 2000s but like i was like a talk show junkie i loved it and i think that that's kind of like something that kind of propelled me into saying hey you can do this probably subconsciously right at first but but uh but i think that's a lot of it for sure talking to people is great like i've talked this whole time already (laughs) right so here comes the question that nobody likes. So I'll try to rephrase it in a way that's more acceptable. So I don't have to ask you to pick your favorite child. Um, what um, are maybe some of the, the more memorable guests or more guests that you were really excited to meet? Um, maybe a couple that stick out in your mind. So we're not picking one. Yeah. The first one that comes to mind is the Invisible Histories Project, which is a nonprofit organization that uh, works to preserve and promote LGBTQ history in the deep South. So these are folks that I met when I was a credential course instructor, like an adjunct at the university of Alabama, Birmingham, and, um, was just really impressed. I mean, that's the word, like, and no, it's important. It was just so impressed about the way that they were going about, uh, preserving this history and, and do and so they're working in Alabama, Mississippi, and Georgia. But they're like they've expanded over time. They've won grants, so, doing such good work to expand into Arkansas, North Carolina. I'm sure South Carolina. So I, I knew I wanted to talk to those folks because these are not folks specifically doing rhetoric and composition work, right? But this work is so important to people doing work in queer rhetorics, right? And in our specifically in our discipline of rhetoric and composition and so many of the other subdisciplines. I don't want to just ex- exclude so many of the other ones, but that's that was the first one where I was like this is going to be a good collaboration and and I think that it was something that sticks out in my mind because folks in retcon worked with them. You know what I mean? Like I followed up, I kept in touch with Megan and Josh and they're fantastic people. Um, and then, you know, this one's going to sound like super cheesy, but I grew up in in Alabama, right? And so a lot of 
the guests that I want to talk to sometimes have a connection to there, whether they're people I know or not. Um, but I, I was able to snag, I would say, the journalist John Archibald um, from from Alabama, who um, is just a, a fantastic journalist. But I, I grew up like reading his column kind of thing, and so mm. now to like to to see his evolution as an author as, as a as a author of, of multiple books and a journalist and a Neiman fellow and all these things. And so when I reached out to him and he would, he said, yes, I'd, he would do it and, you know, put me in touch with this publicist and stuff that felt like a moment for me where I was like, I am so <laughs> proud of the work that I'm doing that this guy would say, yes, you know what I mean? Certainly he's just promoting his book. Right. But he's, mm-hmm. he's, he's got to draw the line somewhere. And like, I'm above the line now. <laughs> you know? and that just made me feel so great. And this is going to sound super cheesy too. And maybe it's just because I'm actually in my mom's house, but like, I think it kind of made my mom and like my dad proud. And that was, and my family proud that, cause he's a pretty well-known uh, journalist here in, in Alabama. I think he, he won a Pulitzer prize. So that's kind of why I reached out to him. Yeah. That's, that's a high bar. It's a high bar. Maybe my yeah. podcast will reach you or yours one day. So then um, kind of associated with that guests on the show, mm-hmm. um, who is, or if you don't want to narrow it down to one, um, who are uh, maybe a dream guest or two, if you could get anyone on the show. Okay. So can I just give you a, can I just start calling off people's names? Because like <laughs> so many people. So when I saw this question beforehand audience, I immediately was like, <laughs> I wonder if he's thinking somebody like Andrea Lunsford or somebody like that, you know, in rhetoric and composition and writing studies or somebody, you know, big, but, and then I was thinking, well, you know, me personally, someone I've never really talked to, but would like to talk to is Doug Iman specifically. Okay. So I'll give you that name, but I also want to talk to uh, Antonio Bird about his recent work. And I want to talk about to Jim Rodolfo and Bill Hart Davidson about their recent work. And I want to talk to Morgan Banville at ECU, a graduate student about her work. So the list goes on and on Stacy Perriman Clark. Will you come on my podcast? Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? like, the list goes on uh, and on. So, and I've, I've got a ton of books to read before I reach out to a bunch of those folks. Uh, but the answer to your question is probably Douglas. I'm <laughs> Douglas Simon and then everybody. And then everybody else. <laughs> so um back in the beginning when you started doing the big rhetorical podcast, mm-hmm. um, I'm sure that you got comments uh, from yeah. friends, from peers, from family, um, maybe positive, maybe negative. I, mm-hmm. I don't know. Uh, what were those comments like? And what are the comments like now compared to those? So this is a great question. <clears throat> uh from my like mentors and advisors you know the commentary was refine but keep going because this is smart okay so that's kind of that that was probably that most boiled down way to explain the commentary from from those folks who i trust and so then from like my friends and family it was like we don't get it because you're talking about pedagogy you're talking about rhetoric we don't do you know what rhetoric is do we don't know what rhetoric rhetoric does is. anybody know does what rhetoric? anyone know one time, well, I used to get upset because folks like wouldn't even try, though. You know what I'm saying? And so I, I like have a collection of definitions and I'm ready to go, but I won't share this with you now. <laughs> um, yet uh, the commentary was was wasn't always positive. You know what I mean? So like I had to work at it. Like tons and tons 
of work because I'm talking to you and I'm very relaxed and enjoying myself, but like I am very, I get so nervous. I deal with extreme anxiety and that was coming through, you know? So I had to stop trying to do things like in recording editing and just, I just had to stop. I, I couldn't do it, you know? So I had to just, that just put more time, but you know, I've got a little help here and there from friends who know how to do a little editing, which has been helpful. Um, and then as I've kind of gone on, <laughs> I'll get an email here and there. That, like, I feel so egotistical audience uh, <laughs> uh, because I'll get an email here and there and they're graduate students, they're always graduate students. And they're saying this, like, thank you. This has helped me understand a concept or this has helped me think about an idea. I'm not, I've been at it for five years. I'm not, I'm maybe average one a year. Okay. So it's not mm -hmm. like I've got fan mail pouring in, but like <laughs> I save them. I'm not going to lie. I save them in a little, in a little folder in my email and they make me feel really great. I would say that the first one was just like, whoa, like people are listening and getting something from this. Like, and then, you know, you see your numbers start going up from, not well double digits to triple digits to more triple digits and you're just like people are getting something from this they're listening to it like and they're telling people about it um because i do mm -hmm. some online promotion but it, i don't have time to do tweets you know five mm -hmm. six times a day to promote myself so also thinking back to the beginning again mm -hmm. um what equipment did you start with oh my gosh my specialization, my PhD is in rhetoric, digital rhetoric. And the great flaw of my life is that I am, I am digitally inclined, but I don't know that much. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, so what I did was I learned really quick that you didn't have the, like, have the most expensive mic. Okay. But you needed to have a pop filter if you didn't, right. To go over it. If you didn't have like the most expensive mic. And so what I chose to do was just, just go with an inexpensive mic and get the pop filter at first. And then I bought a, I don't know what it's called. Uh, you may know what it's called. You may have one, but one of those things that like screws to the side of the desk and the, the microphone hangs over where I could talk. A and mic so boom. Had, a mic boom. Yeah. So I have one of those. <laughs> I have one of the, I knew exactly. I knew, I knew what that was. Anyway, uh, of course. A mic boom. And so I have one of those, but, but again, just to kind of connect some of these answers, the mic boom was too much. It was in my face when I first started off. It was too much. I had to get rid of the mic boom. So now I have a mic stand, right? Um, and then I had got a Behringer Euphoria UM2. To be completely transparent, all of these things I put in an Amazon cart and bought at one time together. And I just said, I, I went to one thing and then it said, oh, you, you may need this. You may need this. And then I finally found like a podcasting package. I was like, this is perfect. <laughs> so, so I spent my hundred and I can tell you it was $112, which is way more than it probably should have been uh, to get started. But I wanted the mic. So that actually answers the next question as well. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, getting ahead of myself. You did upgrade over time. You got that extra, that package with that mic in it. Mm -hmm. um, what were the reasons that drove you to upgrade? Well, I'm an indie podcaster. And so that makes me a, like a semi-professional. And so I dropped a mic and broke it. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, and so I had to buy a new one. Like, you know, so that I, I, like, I'm, that's because I'm not like super careful with my equipment you know um that's really actually that is the only thing i've ever upgraded i still use the same equipment uh that i've always used 
And the reason is because I uh, was a graduate student and I spent what I could to get started. And I never really even thought about upgrading because I couldn't. <laughs> right, right. Here is a more uh, philosophical okay. and uh, maybe rhetorical question that mm. that I like to ask. Uh, theoretical. It's definitely theoretical. What are your thoughts about the oral uh, audio mode of communication and its place in things like rhetoric writing, composition, tech writing, business writing, things of that nature? Okay. So this is going to sound like a, like a run-of-the-mill answer, but I don't read books. <laughs> I listen to audio books. So that's like the parallel I'm making. Okay. So we have this article behind a paywall, right? That gets 12 views all time. And that person can use it to get tenure. Well, what if they were to like, then come and talk about that on the podcast, right? Or what if that podcast became the article? Or what if it was an oral thing, you know, where, where we could hear them? I would think that more people would partake in that if they if mm -hmm. they could. Access is something to consider there, certainly. But it has a place. I don't know exactly what its place is. I know what I want it to be. I know why I'm doing my podcast, you know, <laughs> to make that viable. So I think I'm really answering the question about scholarship, but practicality. I think that podcasts should are, are our next step, right, for what the academy can do in terms of what they accept for work service and all of these other things that are important for things like tenure, you know? Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I can, I can kind of hear what you're saying to me is that uh, it can make scholarship um, more uh, egalitarian. Yes. Uh, maybe open up those doors to people who are currently shut out. And in addition to that, maybe um, administration might take more note of that and accept that uh, as a benefit or an affordance of the audio mode. Certainly. You know, if a podcaster, academic podcaster is bringing in, you know, 100, 500,000, 100,000, 500,000 listens, <laughs> are they even really an academic? You know what I mean? Like right. But, but. <laughs> But if they're doing it in a way where, and the, the profit, nonprofit thing, you know, can be kind of a sticky situation. So, you know, I, I set mine up. So any money I make, I make like a penny a listen and it goes into a nonprofit, right? And that's how I'm able mm -hmm. to give my emerging scholar award. You know what I mean? That and fundraising. So if you're doing it that way, you know, and you're bringing home 500,000 listens, then that you're 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 the highest profile person in the department you know, more than likely you know so i think that's something that that we should consider and especially because oh my gosh rail me in whenever you're ready joseph especially because we have no idea what academia is going to look like in 10 years and i think that that people that were pretending that that was you know way down the line post pandemic that's not way down the line and we know that so podcasts yeah. might be a great thing i wonder how if if professors would all just offer a podcast a week on like online learning, you know, what would that look like? Something like what, that. What would that look like? I don't know. I don't want to do that <laughs> yet though. <laughs> that would be really cool though. I think someone do well, that. Um, when, when you really think about it, um, that's kind of what, what an is. announcement is, yeah. right? It's kind of 
the the news of the day and a little bit of a topic and we're we're kind of doing that already but we're doing it in other modes and i have offered feedback orally um to in classes and i will say that maybe no one ever chose it uh which i don't know maybe i should have painted it in a different picture and said yes you should want to but i just put it on the syllabus and talked a little bit about it no one ever chose it but i think that would be another way to consider it you know yeah, I actually do the same thing, and I'm 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 getting feedback from my students, direct feedback from some of them that really really prefer it. Really? Um, yeah, and in fact, um, video with the audio is even better because you can pinpoint the areas in the papers that we're writing. That's exceptional. Now, if there was a way to get over like FERPA, right, and then do that for all the students to talk about that, like that would be so that would be that would be interesting. That's for another podcast. Though. That is, that's for another day. Um, but let's still talk about the students for a minute. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I have students this fall who are in a multimedia, new media class that I'm going to teach. I'm going to ask them to, to do a podcast. And most of them have no, no experience whatsoever in the genre. So uh, here's your moment. Can you offer them some advice for the beginning podcaster? Yeah. Localize your subject whatever your professor asks you to do your instructor asks you to do your teacher asks you to do because these should be be students should be doing these in high school when they have access to the technology keep it like local so that's that's the thing i really push students to do and um in business writing classes where we do podcasts you know um we do like a podcast and everyone has to focus on a local issue Okay, local to our university, local to our town or city, local to our county, you know, you can kind of interpret local, right? Local to our state. And so um, everything is like, you know, local, right? It's easy. It's not easy, but like you have some prior knowledge, right? You have some antecedent knowledge to build on. Uh, So don't just try to go out and do something that you've never done before. Uh, do do something that's local to you that helps your community even, um, and then and then that I like to do it that way and then engage students with doing it that way and and then there's like a theme and then you know we kind of make it a podcast network right around a certain theme so keep it local as you know making a podcast um, there are a lot of files that you have to deal with. <laughs> So what would you say is the importance to the beginning podcaster about file organization? It's the most critical part of podcasting. (laughs) And this is an audio only podcast. So you all can't see me rubbing my head and looking (laughs) down and thinking about the mistakes I've made. And because I, I I knew I thought about this question and, and there's a a level of of embarrassment (laughs) right, Mm -hmm. when you make mistakes. Um, so I will admit that I'm not great about this. I'm not, but I have, a, I do it by season. And so I have like season four and everything in there in that file, but nothing's like named perfectly, you know? Um, but, and p- along with the importance of naming files is saving files. <laughs> I went to computers and the last computers in writing we had 2019 in East Lansing, Michigan, right, at Michigan State University. Took my equipment to bowling night, which is such a fun night, um, and recorded and got, you know, like 
two podcasts worth of live recording. Cause that's one of the things I really, okay. So that's one of the things that I thought was kind of the smart thing I did is I started taking my stuff to conferences and calling them live from, you know, recordings. Er, don't worry about editing the quality so much. They're live recordings, right? I've done that four or five, maybe three or four different conferences. Anyway, uh, I, um, I had like tons of stuff and I saved and saved. And then maybe like, they had alcohol there, maybe, I think. <laughs> <laughs> a little little hazy on the memory. Maybe like a beer at the bowling beer do they have beer at bowling alleys? I don't know. They, but uh <laughs> but they uh, might. I think I lost like an hour. And the worst part is that I know some of the folks who I lost like downloaded that podcast, that live from computers and writing podcast, and were like gonna hear themselves and then it wasn't there. And I don't know if I said anything about it in the podcast because I was embarrassed, but like I just forgot to save, set my computer down, and it died overnight. And so I lost the last, you know, 30 minutes. So name your files or at least put them in the seasons, right? Mm-hmm. So you know where everything's at and then save, save, save. So, so save your files with good names in good locations so you can avoid social anxiety and pain <laughs> you have no idea how much social anxiety comes with pain. <laughs> so then um here is our hypothetical question you sir have uh come into an inheritance and it is a time machine so with this time machine it's set to one location and one location only the dial's broken it is the moment you're about to walk into the building and do your very first podcast at that location So you get to travel back in time and it's only going to be available for one minute. So in one minute, what would you tell yourself as you start to walk into the building to do your very first podcast? Oh, this question sets up the the answerer to sound so like, I would say that your eyes, your ideas are good, but, but to stick to them and don't like, don't sway. Like you have good ideas and it's working. And so don't, don't try to do things that are outside of your wheelhouse And the second thing I would say is that take more seriously that this is a brand that can become more than a podcast, because I think that that's something that I dropped the ball on past Charles. You dropped the ball on that. Um, You know, I think that I could have been writing along with the podcast and I specifically mean turning it into a book project. Right. Um, and I wasn't doing that. So that's going to be a ton of work that you're going to have to do in the next two years to try to get that turned into something for somebody. And if you would have just done it over each week for like an hour with each podcast, you would have your book. written. So now here we are at the very end, uh, looking back over the things that we've been talking about. Uh, do you have anything that you would like to add that you think the listener who could be anybody, um, anything that they might like to know. Yeah. The primary thing to consider thing loosely, right. Is access when it comes to podcasting. And that's the thing we need to consider. Um, yeah, I can sit here all day and say, it's the next step. It's the next step. Teachers teach it in high school, but the reality of the situation is that we don't have access to the technology to do that always. Right. So that's just one thing I wanted to mention. And that's one thing that I always like to mention when I talk about podcasting access, 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 it's a technological access, but it's also not everyone can take part in podcasts right and so we need to consider that and so i guess 
I guess, I don't know when this is going to come out, but I'm going to challenge myself specifically to get better about providing a transcript with my podcast. And I think that, um, that everyone should, and I'm, I'm bad about it, uh, doing that. And so I'm going to challenge myself to get better access. Okay. So that is a, a great note to end on. And I would like to thank you for your time and your, your kindness and agreeing to do this with me. Yeah. And, um, uh, hopefully we'll run into each other some more. At we will, hopefully. Uh, maybe at a conference or something. Are we doing conference? Are we going back to conferences? I don't know. Hopefully. Well, <laughs> well, um, we were going we to be were. going back to conferences, but that's very much up in the air now uh, due to the, guys. the recent news. Um, so I'm going to use this moment to say, um, please get vaccinated if get you vaccinated. haven't been vaccinated. Uh, because uh, we want to go back to conferences. I want to go back to a conference, so I need you to get vaccinated. 